Today's guest always seems to have multiple things going on. Now, look, he's he always seems like he's involved in running several companies at a time. It's not an accident. It's not a mistake. This is this guy's life. Our guest today, he's a serial entrepreneur. That's my words, not his. So I don't want to be putting words in today's guest mouth. But here we go. It seems like he's always been involved in radio too and he's a big thinker he's one of those guys that thinks stuff up he thinks how do you solve problems what problems are out there there are a lot of reasons to talk to somebody like this today in the world of rapidly expanding technology with radio there's a lot going on welcome to the encouragers the radio rally podcast on apple audible spotify almost anywhere you get your podcast our goal our number one goal is to always be encouraging to radio pros at all levels. So if you work in radio, this podcast is for you. If you're a regular listener of our podcast, you know that we drop a fresh weekly episode uh, featuring radio pros working right now in radio, usually across the United States or Canada, each Sunday. As we say in our regular weekly event, to enjoy our podcast, you really only have to be interested in other people and be open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools uh, to get ahead and ways that you can make your radio career more profitable and successful. My name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or what we call ourselves, RPC. Our practice is an actual multiplier, helping local radio generate higher ratings and higher revenue. And that means we work on helping our clients identify and leverage more revenue for their work. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Reach out anytime to see how we can help you create opportunity revenue. We do it all the time and we can help you schedule a meetup by email. It's easy. First consultation is absolutely free and highly, highly confidential. F-O-R-D at RainmakerPathway.com. Look, we're just a minute or two away from welcoming Jason Bailey, former CEO of Sun Broadcasting and currently consultant in the radio networking game and a few other things that we'll talk about too. Remember I told you about the multiple things this guy's got going on. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which we make available just minutes after the live recording of this interview. And we also splash it in social media. So, it, you know, chances are you might first run across us in that lane. Uh, we want to say thank you to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast and just JoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing the podcast. Hey, listen up. If you are in radio sales or you know somebody that you appreciate who is a local radio seller, make sure they know about this. The Q3 exclusive radio sales event is coming the evening of July 13th, 2023. We call this one Telling Local Radio's 21st Century Story. I will be joined by sales consultant Chris Fleming as my co-host. He's with CD Media Consulting. And of course, we're going to have two special on-the-ground revenue roundtable guests. So you'll be able to hear some really interesting things. They're going to dish on how you can increase your sales 
in third quarter. That's worth doing, right? As a preview, this is our quarterly radio sales event, which is designed to be encouraging to local radio sellers everywhere. So do share this with radio sellers that you know. This was created to help local radio sellers sell more in each coming quarter. So every quarter we do it, every quarter we've got things laid into this program designed to help you increase your revenue and your income, secret, secret. This, uh, you know, the guests each quarter are different, uh, but we our focus is always directly on helping you earn more in the coming quarter each time that we do it. Don't forget the evening of July 13th. Then the the event will be on demand after that. If you already subscribe to our podcast, the sales event is simply going to come right to your smartphone. Kind of cool. By the way, uh, while you're here for this specific podcast event, please know that we have uh, 100 plus interview-based episodes with radio pros all over in our archive and they become yours as soon as you subscribe we also have over 750 articles of encouragement on our site rainmakerpathway.com designed to help local radio we don't hide anything on our site so you literally can find encouragement for morning shows sales managers on-air talents of all kinds salespeople uh, market managers and local radio station and cluster owners. We believe in the power of local radio today and the importance of sharing the 21st century radio story with advertisers, community, and local thought leaders today in local markets. And we believe that will earn you more money. See what you can get for free from our team on our free blog at rainmakerpathway.com, including our encouraging sales success series, and the more than live and local series. I think you'll like both. Right now, let's see what we can learn from this week's guest. Jason, welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Thanks for having oh, me. Oh, I'm doing pretty good. Listen, when I get a chance to talk to somebody like you, it's a chance to peel back the onion a little bit. I want to start with, where are you from? Where were you born? I was born in a city that most people can never pronounce correctly, Worcester, Massachusetts, or Worcester or Worcester, wherever you're from. <laughs> wow. Okay. Well, listen, let's talk about that first experience as a radio listener. We're not talking about on-air producing or being in the business. What was that first experience? Can you remember your first experience with radio as a listener? Oh, God, I woke up every morning to my radio alarm clock in the 80s to head to school. Uh, never missed a morning without the radio on. Um, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, the, the one that really stuck out to me probably uh, probably the most was uh, I was listening to a radio station, a young kid working in the back room of my uncle's computer shop. And uh, they were giving away concert tickets, to, sorry, movie tickets to see Turner and Hooch. Uh, with nice. Tom Hanks. <clears throat> and I thought, I don't know. I, does anybody win these things? You know, I've been listening to radio now for years and son of a gun, didn't I call and win the Turner and Hooch tickets? <laughs> oh. Two movie tickets. That was my first real experience. And I went, I love radio. <laughs> hey, I'm just going to say that movie was underrated. I really liked that movie. And of course, I love it. I agree. So. I yeah. agree. <laughs> All right. So so let's talk about your start in the radio business. You started in the radio business as a morning 
show producer. Is that correct? And I would love for you to share that story with those of us who don't know. Um, well, I'd love to share it. If I if I could, I'm going to go back uh, just a little bit on, on oh. how I sort of ended up there. But okay. I always wanted to, I was a, a, a DJ, you know, did birthdays and weddings and bar mitzvahs in high school, wherever I could, you know, pick up a couple of bucks and get a microphone in my hand. And uh, coming out of high school, I was going to college to be an, an architect. Um, oddly enough, anybody that knows me probably like, Really, um, but I was going to going to go to college to be an architect, and I just wanted to be in radio so badly. And it turned out my mother had a friend who was on the sales team of WXLO in Worcester, Massachusetts. And my mom thought for sure, like, I'll give him a tour of this. You know, I'll, I'll set up a tour of this radio station just so he can see he doesn't want to be in radio. So I, I get this tour set up, and now a senior in high school. And, uh, and the radio station was actually moving into a new facility. So the, the tour I had was from the old facility where the, the carpeting was peeling off the studio walls. There was boxes of cart machines lying around and carts and old reel-to-reel tapes and piles. And I went through this tour and I got home and my mom kind of sm- you know, looked at me with a smile thinking she's going to get the answer she was waiting for. And she said, so what did you think of that radio thing you went on today? And I said, I am going to be in radio forever, Ma. It was the most incredible experience I've ever had in my life. And I could see her face drop. (laughs) Fast forward, by the way, 20 years later, she worked for my radio network for 12 years. Wonderful woman. And I think she, I think I proved to her that radio could be a good career, but, um, but I, I, I'll, I jump into WXLO. So I, I, I just went on a tour there and I, I called the guy that I knew there still in the business, by the way, I'll give him credit here. Jim McKenna, who is a, a terrific production guy works for iHeart in the DC area. And, uh, and I said, Hey, listen, I, you know, I don't have, I'm not going to college for communications or anything. Can I get in an intern or can I just come in and sit near you when you're doing your shift? And he said, yeah, come on in. So I went in a few times over the course of the summer and I'd literally strip old reel to reel tape so they could save the reel or, you know, I would do whatever lousy job. I just wanted my face in that building. And I was assistant mm. managing a Little Caesars pizza place at that point. Now, Lloyd, this is 1993. I was okay. making almost $15 an hour as an assistant manager, which is very good money for a kid yeah. in 1993. And uh, I got a call on my shift at Little Caesars. So I've got my little apron on and I'm covered in flour and dough and I smell like peppers and onions. And uh, it's the morning show host of the radio show, of the radio station, John Taylor, who's uh, now in radio in Palm Springs. And he said, uh, hey, our morning show producer just quit. Would you come in and fill in for like a week or two until we can get a new producer? And I said, well, now this is what I, I want everybody to take from this, this message. Know your worth. I smell like peppers and onions and I'm covered in flour. I'm standing there in this busy pizza place. And the first thing I thought of, and here comes my dream job on the phone, right? right? And I said, I'll do it, but I need to be able to apply for it and get a fair shot as well. And he said, well, yeah, of course, of course. Yeah, of course you can apply. And so I said, I'll see you in the morning. And from there, that was it. I became the producer of the morning show and, and went on to a, a wonderful career, but know your worth. Right? Whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. I'm not letting, I'm not letting this go. <laughs> Did you keep the job as assistant manager and do this other job? I couldn't, unfortunately I couldn't. So you said your I've, job. I've had probably a thousand jobs. Yeah. 
And by the way, my producer job at WXLO when I started in, in 1993, I was making $5.25 an hour minimum wage, four hours a day. And But I, I couldn't do the pizza job because I had to get there early to open the store. So I had to quit. But what I did was I filled in, uh, you know, filled the bank account by cleaning golf clubs at a golf course later in the afternoon and night. I'd clean up golf carts and golf clubs you know wait 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 wait, wait. (laughs) i've learned that you you've always been this guy you've always been somebody who will find a way to make things happen can i go back to you as maybe a 10 or 11 year old you don't have to tell us all the details but i'd like to know about you and work oh i've I've had a job two jobs at all, all time since i was 11 when I was 11 years old, I got my first paper route in Clinton, Massachusetts. I had the longest paper route in town. It took me hours to do it. I was the most successful paper boy. If that, you know, probably doesn't surprise anybody who knows me, but if I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it very, very well. And, uh, and then I was uh, on the weekends, I would scrub uh, the trash cans of the local Dairy Queen. And I made 50 bucks to go down there and clean up the trash and scrub the trash cans. So 11 years old. Jason, nobody wants to do that job. <laughs> Can you imagine summer, yeah. hot summer mornings cleaning out uh, 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 oh, yeah. sour ice cream from, <laughs> from trash cans? <laughs> Jason, are you a mastery person? Do you know what I mean by that? Um, look, I, I do a, I do a lot. I don't know that I'm. But but you just said something important. You said, people know me. If I'm going to do something, I'm going to do it right. Mm -hmm. Are you a mastery person? Is that the most important thing to you? I, I don't know. I'd like to say, I'd like to say so. I think the most important thing for me is, you know, my dad had a strange relationship with my dad, but I learned one thing that I've kept with me these 46 years so if you're, you know, you can do anything that somebody else is going to do, right? If somebody else can do it, you can do it. And so I don't know. I always strive to be perfect. I don't know that mm-hmm. I am, but I'm never afraid to take a chance. Never. I mean, whether it's cleaning golf clubs or, you know, producing a show or starting a network or, you know, writing, you know, writing a software you know, company. <laughs> yeah. You know, Jason, uh, uh, we always learn things. I mean, there's no episode of this podcast where you don't learn things and, and unbeknownst to you, maybe, is that you were willing to take a risk when you took that job as the morning show producer. You 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 deep sixed a job where you, that was a pretty good job mm-hmm. to go take something that you made a third. And really, that doesn't even do it because you only were working about four hours a week, but yeah. you made up that money somewhere else. So, listen, I'm going to say this next part slowly because it scares me a little bit. <laughs> uh, how did you convince now keep in mind I'm doing my research digitally so I'm I'm very interested in you right now how did you convince Commonwealth Broadcasting to make you their market manager at WORCAM how'd that happen uh, well I left WXLO after many years and a friend of mine went over to host the morning show at WORC um, I'll give him a little shout out because he is back at WXLO for years now doing mornings, Frank Foley. And so Frank and I were very dear friends, still are to this day. And, and I followed him over there to, to produce and co-host the morning show at WORC. Um, and, 
we launched a new format on that station and and I took charge of that and they had another station called WGFP. It was a small country station um, out of central Massachusetts. And, uh, you know, from sort of working with the sales team, more operational, right? That's really been my background, operations and marketing, branding, uh, staffing. So uh, it just was a natural fit. So I went in and, and ran those um, those two radio stations uh, with the local general manager, this guy Brian, and and the rest is history there. Oh, okay. So in that job, what did you learn? Because you're taking on more responsibility, mm-hmm. uh, which we now know, of course, you're going to do lots of different things, but what did you learn? Well, I mean, I, I learned a lot, you know, that was my first time really. And look, I was, I was a producer at XLO, right? So uh, being a producer is it's being in, it's being an operations manager, right? I mean, you're right. you're keeping the flow going. You're working with the talent. You're working with the guests. You're, you know, you've got the show going. You're working on the music, and so you're you're juggling a lot of things as a producer. Uh, that I think just set me up perfectly for you know for the role that I had at WORC and WGFP. Um, I think what I learned most there was a very small organization. It was there, it was, you know, it was there two radio stations. They were not um, they were you know AM stations, smaller stations, but. Uh, fun fact for everybody listening, though, WORC is the first station in America to play the Beatles. Uh, great yeah. history on that radio station. Amazing history on WORC. Um, but um, but what I learned most, you know, it's a small organization. So, you know, we, we had to stretch the dollar further probably than, you know, our local competitors with that time with Citadel and uh, well, even before Clear Channel there. But um, yeah, so I just had had a, you know, I had to get creative to make the station sound big. And it mm. actually lined me up for uh, something that I don't even know if it's on digitally on my on my social or not. But I had a small radio network following WXLO, WORC. And my time there set me up for that. I couldn't barter my voice talent. I couldn't barter a lot of things uh, at that time were just not available. You know, you can barter yeah. a music library and such. But so, so I started. Minute, so you're starting to see problems and go. How do we solve these problems? Yeah, 100%. Yeah, 100%. So when I started right. my first network, I was able to um, create some some barter products that now are very common, like voiceover mm-hmm. guys, things like that. Uh, but uh, that's that's how I got my first network going from some of very the good. experiences that I had at WORC. All right. So look, at least once a year, and for some of us who were who really affected by September 11th, and we all know which one, OK, it seems like since September 11th, 2001, people really asked this question around that time. Do you remember where you were when that day was going on, all that stuff? Do you remember having that experience? But I know that you won't forget. Did you really launch a news talk station on September 10th, 2001? <laughs> I did. Uh, I did. We were uh, we were a hot talk station before that day, and on September tenth, we I, I convinced the uh, the owners of the radio station to let me launch a news talk station. There was only one other in town, still a powerhouse in town, WTAG. And I said, you know, we can do this, and we can do it a little differently. And so we did our first day on the air with our news talk station was September tenth, two thousand one. So. I know exactly where I was on September 11th. <laughs> I was running around like a chicken with my head cut off, running out to Logan Airport and covering it and going down to Ground Zero and covering it. It was a remarkable time in my life. 
incredible uh, for all of us that were in radio to have those experiences. And I think a lot of really um, professional grade things happen that way for, for that day for local radio. Uh, but to have a news talk station launch that day or the day before, you know, you must have thought, wow, that was really hard on the 10th. And then you woke up the next day. So, you know, we all know that was a very demanding day for everybody. Listen, I love to learn about people and how they create their careers with different experiences. You became a marketing manager in Jacksonville, Florida. I know it involved media planning media buying, negotiating with media, printing and other marketing vendors, sales training on site and online and data analytics. Can you tell us about that company, that job and what you learned from that experience there? Because I think it might be a fundamental part of your journey. Uh, yeah, so the company was called Montecito Property. Um, this was during the real estate boom of you know two thousand four, five, six, right before the crash. Um, they were the largest condo conversion company in America. I had just moved to Florida. I had sold my other company, and uh, I was sort of semi—I'll say semi-retired. <laughs> I took my mom shopping a lot and sat around and got very bored. And I said, "I've got to do something here." So. I, uh, I, I met this guy uh, who ran a company in Toronto. He was consulting and working for this Montecito property company. And my radio experience was perfect for this, right? I mean, it, it did include everything that you mentioned. I mean, we'd walk into a project. We'd look at the, you know, how fast and, and how much we needed to get out of that project at. And so I'd, I'd help build the marketing plans and help train the salespeople where I could and, um, but again, you know, everything, if you, if you look at my career and I have done a lot, um, everything is stitched together with marketing and branding. Every single yes. thing is, it's all the same, right? I mean, it, right. whether you're selling shoes or you're selling airtime or you're selling software, you know, it's, it's a having, you know, a product that you love and believe in and it's, which we did at Montecito and it's, you know, B just marketing it. I'll tell you what, you know, one of the things that I'm going to blab too much here, but well, this time, of course, it was the real estate boom, but this company, they would buy a, a big condo project, you know, a few hundred units. And we had 30 days that they would do some renovations on site. And then we as the marketing team had 30 days to get in and out of that project. So sell every every single solitary unit. And I did that with them for 18 projects across North America, where we had people sleeping on the sidewalks to buy these condos in cities all over the country. Um, all through marketing. You made this occur. Oh, this was, yeah, this was all. You made marketing. this occur. This, this is the marketing, right? Yep. hundred oh, percent. Mm -hmm. And I ran everything very differently, which set me up for my radio network that we'll talk about hopefully in a little bit some, but. Um, oh, believe me, we're I, headed there, but I don't <laughs> want you to get ahead of us. Okay. No, I won't. I won't. But we set up, we set up everything so that I could track it. I'm a data guy, right? I mean, I just think mm -hmm. there's always a story in the data. And so when I went into Montecito, every radio ad had a different website and phone number. Every newspaper ad we bought had a different way. We'd buy 40, 50 websites and phone numbers so that we could really track. And I know that's commonplace now, but you know, back then that was pretty, pretty new. And, uh, mm -hmm. and it really got to prove the value of each of these different mediums. And I'll tell you, Lloyd, and I'm not saying this because I've been in radio for 30 years, but over and over and over again, 
radio delivered one of the best results for us. Yeah, could you back that up and say that again? Because I want you to say this for anyone who, and the temptation is so great to fall in line with the, oh, the sky is falling. Can you just say that again, please? I'll tell you, for our real estate marketing projects, radio worked. (laughs) It Mm -hmm. it absolutely worked. It delivered the, the lowest cost per lead of anything that we were running. It delivered the best cost per sale. You know, of course, we had Google AdWords and all those things and email blasts. And those are cheap, but, you know, you didn't really generate too many sales from them. But we would get people coming to these events, listening to our radio ads. And it worked every single time. 18 projects I did every single time, guaranteed. And look, for radio sellers, you know, I'm not going to rain on digital. Digital's a thing, right? Does it have the same value? Is it the same thing as radio? Sure isn't. And that's what we should be paying attention to. We're going to get into that with our special, which is our Q3 uh, radio event uh, for sellers on the 13th of this month. Listen, in 2006, now the next couple of questions are kind of in the same neighborhood, but I'm building towards something here. Uh, 2006, you became the COO of a company called N5R. This goes back to real estate again. Uh, talk to us about this work for just a minute, you know, because we are speeding along the path to get back to the radio stuff. But <laughs> look, this included you working with experienced players in Nevada, in Florida, and in Toronto. What was that about? Yeah, so N5R was really just an extension of the work that I did with Montecito Property. Um, one of the guys that I worked for at Montecito uh, had N5R, still does today. Roman Bodnerchuk, very brilliant human being, just incredibly, incredibly bright. Worked me to the core, worked everybody to the core, but mm. I learned a lot. I learned a lot from him. Um, he always said, you know, we worked eight to faint, meaning eight in the morning until you can't stand up anymore. <laughs> And, uh, right. and he was not lying. That is exactly the truth. We worked from, well, actually probably seven in the morning until faint, but uh, N5R was a real estate marketing company at that time. We did dozens of projects together. Uh, I oversaw the, the team that was in Toronto, uh, Las Vegas, and then St. Augustine is where the, the office I worked out of. But Roman built a hell of a company and still does some great stuff uh, to this day, but um, really just did everything that I did at Montecito for N5R and the real estate projects that he brought on board. Yeah, look, that's really cool because when you work for somebody who is kind of maniacal like that, somebody who works you hard, you know, you do learn an awful lot from them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I say this all the time to to market <laughs> managers and people in, in managerial positions and ownership position. People want to be held accountable. You have a lot of managers who get in situations where they're like they're they're afraid, a little bit afraid to go, I need to hold this person accountable. And and sometimes they run from it. The opposite is the most important thing that you can do as part of building a culture where you do what you say you're going to do, right? You would agree with that, wouldn't you? Oh, 100%. 100%. I'll tell you, the the team that worked at both Montecito and N5R, I mean, they it, it was just a different look. I, you know, I'm, I, I came off of my morning show time at WXLO and WORC, where we're, you know, working four hours a day and eating breakfast, you know, that was delivered to us. And so, uh, my, you know, fast forward to that Montecito and N5R time, I, I 
I worked my tail off. You know, Absolutely. I learned the, like the value of, you know, of working hard and what it will give you. Montecito was the largest condo conversion company in America. N5R was one of the largest in North America. I mean, and, and to see, to work with teams like that, it set me up perfectly for when I went back and started my network son. I mean, every, every minute of experience at those two companies is the reason why Sun Broadcast Group was so successful. That's funny because that's what we're going to talk about next because we have arrived at a time where I want us to talk about Sun Broadcast Group. And before we get there, I just want to say this, that we have talked about you. We have talked about mastery a little bit. We have talked about a lot of influential people. And I would like to point out for people listening that you notice that the people that he's worked with, they all go to really interesting markets that are really good markets. These are these people are winners that he's associating with. Uh, and I'm sure, Jason, you would tell me that you learn a lot from every one of them. But look, Sun Broadcast Group, you were the founder. What led you to do this? And here's exactly what I mean. You became the youngest CEO in network radio. I wonder, did you consider this to be a big move at the time? Was this kind of swashbuckling? What was it? You know, it's interesting. I, di I didn't think about it at the time. Um, I, I actually have to cr I give credit to a friend of mine down in South Florida who knew of my boutique network from years prior. And we were out one day and I thought for sure I was done with radio. Line. I said, you know, now I've done the real estate thing and it's time to move on to, to new adventures. And uh, he said, yeah, you should do the radio thing again. It sounded like it was cool. And I said, oh, you know, I don't know. And so it was an election year. I started my radio network in 2008. And I thought, well, listen, if, if ever there was going to be some, you know, some big money floating around to help me kind of, you know, get off the ground, it's, it's an election year in radio. So I did. I started the radio network September, October-ish of 2008. I got both the campaign, some, some packages. I've called friends all over the country that I had worked with in the past. And I put together about 1,800 radio stations um, that I could geo-target, you know, really specifically target for the campaigns. And we ended up getting bought by one of the campaigns right off the bat. And that gave me a little seed money. I tell people, I'm going to say this, I, I just love telling this story because, you know, you hear something like Sun Broadcast Group and how big it became. I mean, it was a multi-million dollar company at the end. I started Sun with $25,000 from my savings. $25,000. I the, the network was in the back room of a, of a, of a strip mall that my uh, a guy that I knew said, yeah, you can use the conference room in this back room. And he let us borrow some desks. And I had five people in the back room of a strip mall with 25 grand, and I built it into a $20 million network. Why? I had great people around me. I had great people and, and a great counsel you know, throughout the years that helped kind of get me there and give me the footing that I needed. And then we worked our ass off, man. We just worked our ass off. We worked smart and we worked hard. It's interesting. You know, you're talking about 2008, and I'm just going to tell you, uh, during that period of time, I was the senior strategist and the uh, the radio head of radio for a company that was serving radio all across the country. And I can remember that everybody had a drop of about 80 percent in their revenue at that moment. So you talk about taking risks to launch a, a network during that period of time. Kudos to you, brothers. <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, that's not for the faint of heart, right? Yeah. Well, it was also, you know, as much as I say, I, you know, my, my friend really got me thinking about it to do it. 
But I mean, a lot of thought and time did go into it before I, I decided to, you know, to, to make the jump. But but sure. believe me, knowing that we were in that recession, the market had crashed. I mean, things were tight. It it made me want to do it more. Network mm-hmm. radio. I mean, look, I just I'm a lover of radio, coast to coast, local network, national. But right. network radio is a, an incredible value. It really gets the job done. You can, you know, if you're a national company, you need a big footprint. Network can get you there. And mm-hmm. you just, you, you know, in, in a recession, people are cutting back on their marketing budgets, but they still need to reach ears. And radio well, they got to have customers. Yeah, exactly. So network radio was a good time to do it. You know, starting that in the recession was perfect. It, it it helped launch us to what we were, right? I mean, we were a great affordable alternative to some of the things that they had to cut out, and we delivered every single time. So incredible to look at your career arc, which is kind of funny, because the next thing <laughs> I want to ask you about is for you to tell us about Arc Software. For sure. Thanks on that. Yeah, so we had Sun Broadcast Group. I sold Sun in 2018, but before mm-hmm. selling... We had a lot of things that we were doing operationally, and we didn't really scratch the surface of my childhood and some of the things that I did, but I'm a computer nerd. I've been a computer nerd since I was on my Commodore 64 at seven years old, writing programs instead of playing games. And uh, and at Sun, I, I had all these different pieces of software and these different subscriptions that we needed to, you know, to do literally one simple task, you know, to get one radio station to run one of our nationally syndicated shows. We had six or seven pieces of software that we were using. And so I said, listen, we got to we can build this ourselves. And so we did. We built we built Arc Software to to fill a very um, you know, a very specific need, but it it streamlined our company. Um, again, I said this earlier, one thing about, you know, all the companies I've been involved with is you, you've got to work smart, you know, and there were a oh, lot yeah. of things that are inefficient in our business still to this day. And, uh, and I think another reason Sun was so successful is we had things like Arc that we were able to streamline the network with, you know, where uh, another, uh, another network may have you know, three or four people in a department, we could have one because we automated a lot of it through this program. Well, and so an ARC is data. Yep. Yeah. So ARC is, again, ARC is really, it's a, uh, for those that probably understand Salesforce, it's sort of salesforce.com, but it's a really jacked up version of it for the, uh, for the radio and TV market. So it comes loaded with every single contact at radio stations, every radio and TV station in North America. And so you can get in if you're, you know, if you're selling to a radio station, if you've got a service or an engineering service or something, and you're trying to get up, get through to radio stations, ARC or TV stations, ARC is uh, ARC is that product for you. It's a CRM, a great research tool, a document builder. I mean, it's basically everything all rolled up into one. It's a nice cloud-based piece of software that you can take anywhere in the world. Yeah, and this allows me to go backwards again, which you did a nice job talking about you and the computer and all that when you were little and and scaring us all a little bit about you were not <laughs> playing games you were on there you know do, you know here you are a guy with a paper route right yeah but you've got this other thing going on of course you do jason you're not going to do one thing or two things uh <laughs> have you always been a technical guy yeah i really have been i mean that's a true story seven years old my parents got me a commodore 64 
and uh, and a couple of video games uh, i don't you know reminisce with you here but like pitfall and some of those great old video games from the past i didn't oh, yeah. touch them i didn't touch them i i started i started writing little programs you know you the computer would ask you what your name is it would say hi with your name back and yeah i would i would write little programs so that was sort of it as soon as a pc became you know, relatively affordable. My uncle owned a, a computer company at the time, and and my parents picked up a an old PC, and, and the rest is history. There, I've been a I've been a computer nerd for for ever, almost forty years. So interesting. I'm sure that this. Well, I no, I'm not sure. I know for damn sure this affects your life today, and will probably affect your life in the future because, as we all know, there's lots of things going on with technology, and this technology is really speeding up in ways that will absolutely be unpredictable. And you'll be looking for opportunities to solve problems, won't you, Jason? Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I, I talk you. to a lot of. I talk to a lot of people, you know, they've got a lot of questions about all the different technology. Of course, you know, chat GPT made everybody just kind of stop in their tracks. And there's just so many, so many others, you know, available through discord. I mean, there's just a million things that I think would blow all of our minds. And some of it I don't get, but, but, uh, you know, if you embrace it, you learn it, have an open mind and then put it to use for you. Um, you know, you'll, you'll, you'll beat the competition. I absolutely I absolutely think that's the only thing to do. That yep. is the way to do it. Embrace it, learn it, figure out how you can manipulate it and use it. Uh, we just did a special on our podcast called Chat GPT and the AI Century. You can go back in our archive and listen to it. But it it talks about the fork in the road and all the things that are coming. It's very, very interesting. Listen, yeah. sometimes you run across somebody who seems to always have multiple jobs or multiple companies. I think you and I talked before we got on this podcast about Elon Musk a little bit and how, you know, those kind of guys look a little like, oh, my God, how are they doing that? How do you have Arc Software? and function as a strategic business consultant. And you have a company uh, in Toronto, if I'm reading this correctly, called Network Strategist. Uh, how are you doing all that, brother? How does that work? Well, well listen, you know, I, 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 as I said, I've always had multiple jobs. I think, you know, it's just it's just who I am. But right. uh, but again, they, they all thread together, you know, I mean, so I'm a consultant. I do work for Bell Media and Orbit, their network in Canada. I'm a consultant for them up there. Um, I've got my software. I consult for a couple other companies here in the United States that um, one was not even a radio company. Right. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm an operations specialist and, you know, I'm a computer specialist. So you can come into a company and, you know, look at how they're performing and look at the things that they're doing and how you can streamline them, how you can work with their salespeople to deliver more results. And so I like to believe I've got a pretty diverse, uh, little portfolio that I can bring in and, and, and help businesses, but I, I like, I, I'll work, I, I always pretend I'm going to retire, Lloyd, and everybody uh -huh. that knows me says, yeah, you'll work until you're de dead. I mean, I'll be working on my deathbed. I will be emailing somebody on my deathbed. I just, it, it keeps you smart. It keeps you sharp. You know, God, God love her. I miss my grandmother to pieces. But the moment I, the moment I saw my grandparents stop working, I saw them get old and I don't want to be old. I want to stay sharp and, uh, and I want to help people and build things the best that I can as long as I can.
All right. So listen, uh, you know, there are people in radio right now, uh, probably listening to this podcast. They're thinking about doing something new about getting involved with entrepreneurship. What advice might you have for anybody who wants to now become an entrepreneur today? I think, you know, listen, there's never a better time. I, you know, you've got to be, <laughs> you ask any entrepreneur how they did it, or you've got to be, you got to have some level of crazy to start a business. <laughs> I mean, you just have to. Uh, right. The amount of times that I almost, you know, lost my home or lost my car or, you know, you've just got to be willing to, to throw caution to the wind. If you believe in something and you wake up and you think about it every day, just do it. Just take the jump. I mean, there are a million ways to get money, SBA, friends and family. Take your idea and make it happen. And you know what? If you fail, so what? Um, I, I say that's really know, your attitude, isn't it? Yeah, I'd rather you're fail willing to fail, right? You have to be. You have to be willing to fail. Uh, you know, I, I when I I've talked to people that wanted to start a business and they're just they're afraid. Well, but what if it doesn't work out? Mm. Well, if right. if that's your mentality, do not do it. Don't. If that's already in your head, don't ever attempt to start a business because you will not survive. But if you go, God, this is such a great idea. Like, I just got to do it. I'll figure it out. Like, you just got to figure it out. And if you fail, it's okay. It's part of the learning process. You, have you, you had that at, experience? Oh, I'm sorry. Have, have you had that experience where you start out in one direction and then the market kind of tells you it's over here, buddy? Yeah. And then you turn. Have you had that kind of experience yet? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of times. Yeah. And in recent years, when I, you know, when I left my radio network, I had a, uh, uh, marketing firm during COVID, right before COVID. And so that obviously put a you know a lot of pressure on us as people cut marketing budgets. But we had oh, ARC yeah. and we were doing some other things. I had an app development company and that has now turned into another project that you and I haven't talked about called Pickle Jar that I'm a part owner of. And Oh, and yes. Yeah. <laughs> I know but about that. Came, that. Yeah, that came out of my uh that came out of my my project with my other company, my app development company. So again, did I fail? I don't know. It didn't work out, you know, the way I wished, but I got pickle jar out of it. I've got arc out of it, right? So I think you you know, anybody listening, if there's an idea, if there's something you want to do, whether it's your own company or it's a company you want to work for or an industry you want to work in, dive in. Just dive in. You will, I guarantee you, you will not sit there, you know, 50 years from now and regret that you did it. You're going to regret that you didn't. Just dive in. Jason, take the chance. I promise you, I have talked to well over 100 people, just like you and I are talking right now on this podcast. Okay. And the smartest people, they use these words. You ready? Just keep going. Mm -hmm. That's you too, isn't it? 100%. All right. So, so let me tell you something. We kind of, we kind of game people to become our guests because we tell them, you know, Hey, it's just a simple, easy interview. It's no sweat. You know, there's, there's no stress involved in this. And we are lying because the, you know, they say no good deed goes unpunished. And when you come on our podcast, we always have this one question that we hold back. And we call it the payment for being our guest. So here it is. <laughs> nobody knows. Nobody knows the future. We all know this. But what do you think the future of radio will be? If or, or maybe if you could choose, what do you think you'd like to see radio in evolve into the next in the next three to five years? 
Oh, I love the question. I wish we had another half an hour to talk, Lloyd. Mm. I will say quickly, um, look, I, I, I always talk about I always talk about this, you know, I've been speaking at a lot of events over the years and I've always said, look, they're not going to, they're not going to tear down every radio tower across the country. Right. I, I, I listen to these people say radio's failed. It's doom. It's done. It's over. There's always going to be a radio signal flying around our head. It's what we put on that signal and how much of an impact it can make. I'd love this. This is my one thing in radio that I don't know how we get it done, but maybe somebody listening to this today says, Hey, Maybe this is something worth exploring. Radio is the only medium that I know of that really makes you hunt, hunt it out. And what do I mean by that? You know, when you're driving across the country and you're listening to country songs, you know, maybe you're listening on a country station here in Florida and you're doing a cross country. Or I drive up to our farm in Kentucky a lot. I have to kind of hunt for that country station, right? It could be at 92.7. It could be at 107.9. But I got to do, I got to hunt. And I always thought, I wonder if there was a way to get all the wonderful radio owners who are listening to this podcast, you know, is there a way someday, somewhere in the future where we can kind of bring those formats together, kind of like they do with, you know, other mediums where, you know, here's all your country channels down this end and here's your rock channels in this part. And, you know, I think when I go on business trips, right, we all go and I need to watch the local news. Well, you know that all the big networks, where do you start? You start at the low channels. They're always right. down there somewhere, right? right. ABC, NBC, Fox, NBC, you know, CBS. Radio doesn't have that. And I think, look, radio is strong. It's always going to be there. It's a way to deliver content into your home, into your car, into your work. It is just the delivery stream. It's what we put on that delivery stream that I think will make a difference. Will we be music? Will we be talk shows again? Will we be the old fashioned, you know, radio days of, uh, of, of sitcoms or, you know, uh, uh, you know, things like that, uh, game shows, right. who knows, but I think right. it's going to be, I think it's going to be around a long, long time. I think it's a, it's a terrific medium that works. It always has, it always will, but that would be my one wish, you know, that somehow we could get away to, you know, bring something so that's a little easier as people kind of venture across the country in the mobile world that they're in today to, to find what they like really fast. That's a pretty fascinating way to sum that up. Jason, I want to thank you for spending this time with us. I know you, you have to make time among all these things you're doing. I want to thank you for being our guest. Oh, thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure. Please don't take for granted what we're doing here and help us by sharing this episode from our website, which you'll be able to do, RainmakerPathway.com. It'll be in the free blog section, be easy to find. You can share it with others who are interested in growing their career in radio and audio. This episode of the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast is designed just like the other 100 plus episodes in our archive to encourage radio pros at all levels. We do want to thank our special guest today, Jason uh, Bailey. You you can't narrow it down to one or two or three things, but we're just going to kind of punt and say networking consultant, branding entrepreneur. This guy's got a lot going on all the time. If you run across him, you know that some special things are happening. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, which will be available in minutes after our live interview, as it always is. Thanks to Joe Kelly. And thank you to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. Please do share the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, 
with others that you know are interested in growing their careers in audio. Subscribe for free on Apple, Audible, Spotify, almost anywhere you get your podcast. I say that because first couple of times people run across us, it's usually in some social media post somewhere. So you can go get it on your phone and always have it. We are an on-demand podcast. We say this all the time on our podcast, and I say it to clients regularly. Once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want. If you have any questions about this philosophy, reach out to me. I promise you it is a high passion for me to share that philosophy, and I just love to prove it to clients. Please remember this. If you don't remember anything else, be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the Radio Rally and the Encouragers. Now go make it a great week in local radio.